There's no greater joy as a pastor than to see new believers be baptized. I remember when Bodhi was born. I remember when Josh and, and uh, Donovan and Haley came to Calvary for the first time, and Donovan was just a little squirt, not a little squirt anymore. We uh, praise the Lord for what he's done in our young people. And as I said, there's no greater joy for a pastor than to see new believers following the Lord in baptism. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Reading verses 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins, showing hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's go, Lord, in prayer at this time. Father, thank you for this day. It has been so good to be in your house. Thank you for these new believers who've put their faith in Christ and have followed you in baptism. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ that we can share life together. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of music and worship. And Father, we ask now that you would be in the preaching of your word, that there would be food for our souls, that you would challenge us in your word to grow us into the image of Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking at verses 7 through 11. It is basically an exhortation. Peter is exhorting these Christians. And you remember the setting, as Pastor Tony has reminded us week after week, Peter is writing this letter to Christians who are in exile. He's writing this letter to Christians who are suffering persecution. And they have been scattered throughout Galatia and Cappadocia. The word suffering is used 22 times in this letter. And so Peter is writing this letter to Christians who are suffering persecution, and he's writing this letter to encourage them and to strengthen them. And now when we come to chapter 4, verses, 11, or verses 7 through 11, this is an exhortation. And I'm not going to have time this morning to exhort all this passage of Scripture, so we're going to focus on one verse, verse 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now notice what Peter said, or notice what Peter has written. Above all, you might want to underline that. Above all, put this first. Above all other things, this is your number one priority. Before anything else, this is at the top of the list. Above all, this is the first in importance. 
This is your primary responsibility. Above all, what's above all? What's most important? What's your number one priority as a Christian? What must we put first? What is above all? Peter says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. I wonder what we would have put in that letter. If we were writing this letter to Christians who are suffering persecution, and we made the comment, above all, make this number one priority, what would we put? Above all, hold on to the five points of Calvinism. Hold on to the tulip. Hold on to the doctrines of grace. Above all, make sure you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Above all, make sure you speak in tongues. No, that's not what Peter says. He says, above all, be fervent, earnest in your love for one another. Forgive me for a personal illustration. I've shared this story many times here at Calvary, so those who've been here a while, forgive me. You've heard this story several times. But I was a young college student in my 20s. We'd gone down to Cordoba, Mexico on a mission trip. I met Pastor Moses Torres. He was the pastor of... Bethlehem Baptist Church in Cordoba, Mexico. And one day, Tim and Joy said, Moses is coming to Calvary. Moses is going to preach at Calvary. And I was so excited to hear Moses preach. Like I said, I was a young Christian in my 20s. All week long, I'm thinking, what is Moses going to preach on? Is he going to preach on the sovereignty of God? Is he going to preach on the perseverance of the saints? What's Moses going to preach on? Maybe the great doctrine of justification by faith. And all week long, I'm anticipating Moses preaching at Calvary. And I remember he gets up in the pulpit right here, and he says, my subject for this morning is love. And my heart sank. I said, are you kidding me? You're going to be preaching on love? Oh, my goodness. And I was so disappointed. He took his text from John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And as Moses began to unfold scripture that morning, verse after verse, it no longer was Moses preaching. God was speaking to me personally and saying, Scott, this is what it means to be my disciple. By this, all men will know that you're my disciple, that you belong to me, is when you love one another. It was a life-changing experience for me to be confronted with the living God and his word says, make this a priority. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Now, obviously... Peter is not saying, above God, above Christ, above sound doctrine, love people. That's not what he's saying. Look at it in the context. He's just said, the end of all things is at hand. So the context is, 
Look, the Lord is going to return soon. We're living in the last days. Do you remember on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came down upon Peter and the guys in the, in the town said, hey, what's going on here? Are you guys drunk? And he said, no, I'm not drunk. We're not drunk. This is the fulfillment of what Joel said, that in the last days I will pour out my Holy Spirit. 2,000 years ago at Pentecost was the last days. I don't know how many days are left in the last days, but we're living in the last days. Paul says that in Romans 13. The night is almost gone. The dawn of a new day is at hand. So that's the context. And knowing something of Paul's writings about the last days, that in the last days the love of men will grow cold, it is in that context that Peter is saying, this community of believers, make sure above all things that you continually love one another earnestly. That's the context. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Peter has a special kind of love in mind here. Keep loving one another earnestly. Some translate it fervently, a passionate love, a real love, a genuine love, a sincere love. Not a cold love, not an indifferent love, not a lukewarm love, but a fervent love. A deep love, not a shallow love, but an intense love, a sincere love, a genuine love, an earnest love. Warren Wiersbe says in the Greek, the word pictures an athlete straining to reach the goal. It speaks of eagerness and intensity. We are to love one another with an intensity, an earnest love, a fervent love. All right, we have to stop right here and ask ourselves the question, do I love the brethren with an earnest love, a genuine love, a fervent love, a real love? John Piper said, how horrible it is when Christians fake it. You ever fake it? You ever fake loving someone? It's a horrible thing. John Piper says it's a horrible thing to fake love. As Christians, we need to be genuine in our love for one another, a fervent and earnest love. Now, here's where my mentor, Tim Wills, would probably remind me of a passage that says, the Lord commands us to love our enemies. And Tim would say, golly, I haven't even learned how to love my friends. How am I going to love my enemies? I haven't even learned how to love the people that love me. It is a fervent love that we are to have as brothers and sisters in Christ. So Peter is exhorting us here. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers, and above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Now you read that exhortation and you say, that's pretty clear. That's not complicated. But what does it mean to do that? Am I doing that? Is that true of me? And if not, why not? 
How do we obey this exhortation to love one another earnestly? How do we obey that? You have to work out your doctrine. You have to work out your doctrine that you have been born again. You've got a new nature in you. And you realize the same is true of all other Christians. You've started a new life. You've been born again into a new life, but also you've been born again into a new family. So now you see, you and every other Christian are members of the same family. That's the doctrine. That's how you learn how to exhort one another. You need to get a hold of this doctrine that we have been born again and we've been born of the Spirit of God and we now belong to the family of God and every Christian is my brother and sister in Christ. You remember how our Lord taught this very thing in Matthew 12, 46? While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to see him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who is my brother? And stretching out his hand towards his disciples, he said, here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven, he is my brother, my sister, and my mother. Remember that? Jesus is speaking and somebody says, your mother and brother outside, they want to talk to you. And he turns and says, who is my mother and brother? I'll tell you who my mother and brother is. Those who do the will of God, they are my mother and my brother and my sisters. And what about Mark 10, 29? Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or land for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters, mothers and children and land. There it is. There's a possibility that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your mother and your father will ostracize you and have nothing more to do with you. But the Lord says, don't panic, don't worry, because you have many brothers and sisters in Christ. We have been born again, and we've been born again into a new family with new relationships. We have spiritual brothers and sisters in Christ, spiritual mothers and fathers, spiritual children. We were down in Cordoba, Mexico. I think it was our first mission trip down to Cordoba, Mexico. And uh, we were in the home of Jonathan and Graciela's. They had this small little house, and right next to them were was where they bought the purchase, the land, to build Bethlehem Baptist Church. And we were down there to help pour the concrete and pour the walls. And at that time, the church was meeting in the home of Jonathan and Graciela's. And there's maybe 40 people in this little room sitting on these little bitty chairs. And one of the boys from MITC, the Mexican Indian Training Center, which is basically a small Bible college in southern Mexico that we support, some little boy that was sitting right next to me, said, when I became a Christian, my mom and dad disowned me. They kicked me out of the house. And he said, I was hurt deeply, and then I came across Psalm 27.10. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. And he said, I've come to realize since I've come to MITC that this is my true family now. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. If we're going to obey this exhortation, 
We've got to get a hold of this doctrine. We've got to grasp it. I cannot tell you how many times here at Calvary Baptist Church, when we raised all six of our kids here at Calvary, how many times Jerry Cozart would come up to me and say, you know what, I just feel like your children are my children. I said, that's exactly right. My children are your children. Your children are my children. Do you remember the account of Martin Lloyd-Jones? Martin Lloyd-Jones was a medical doctor, had a very promising career in the medical field. Everybody that knew him said he has a fantastic medical career ahead of him. He was in his 20s. And all of a sudden, he was struggling with God's call upon his life. He said, we went to a movie theater with another couple. He said, I don't even remember the movie. I was in such agony, struggling over God's call upon my life. Continue as a medical doctor or give up my calling as a medical doctor and become a preacher of the gospel. He said, we watched the movie. I have no idea what the movie is about. We left the movie theater. As we're walking out of the movie theater, the Salvation Army had a band playing across the street. And Martin Lloyd-Jones says, God's spirit bore with with my spirit. Those are my people. I belong with them. That's what Peter's saying here. The only way we can earnestly, fervently love one another is if we get a hold of this doctrine that you've been born again, and because you've been born again, you're now part of the family of God, and we are truly brothers and sisters in Christ. And what about that glorious encounter by Mary Magdalene at the tomb of our Lord? Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in the Aramaic, Rabbi, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. What a message. Go tell my brothers. This is what our Lord taught. The Apostle Paul taught the same thing in Ephesians 2.19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. We are part of the household of God. We're part of God's family. That's the teaching. That's the doctrine we have to get a hold of if we're ever going to be able to love one another earnestly. We need to realize this is truth. This is reality. There's something special that has happened. We've been born again, born of the Spirit of God, and now we're part of the family of God. And this is a reality. This is true. We've been born again into a new family. That's the only way that we can earnestly and fervently love one another. I would say to Donovan and Haley and Bodie, you have been baptized into a new family. These are brothers and sisters in Christ that we share life together. Bill and Gloria Gaither wrote a song many years ago. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Join heirs with Jesus as we travel this side, for I'm part of the family of God.
You will notice that we say brother and sister around here. It's because we're a family and these are so near. When one has a heartache, we all share the tear and rejoice in each victory in this family so dear. Yeah, that's it. We're part of the family of God. And when one of them shares a tear or a sorrow, we weep with them. I cannot tell you what a privilege it was for you to come alongside me when my father passed away. How many of you sat with me and wept with me? When one, body, one person in the body suffers, we all suffer. And when somebody rejoices in the body, we all rejoice together. We're all rejoicing together for Jennifer and Jimbo, for Bodie and for, for Josh and Kathy and Donovan and Haley. We're in this together. Those are our kids. We're a family. And there is no way that we can obey this exhortation to earnestly love one another until you really get a hold of this reality that this is true. We have been born again. Uh, if you back up even in First. First uh, Peter chapter 1, he makes that connection. First Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love, there it is, a sincere, genuine, real, earnest brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishables through the living and abiding word of God. We have to get a hold of that doctrine if we're ever going to love people earnestly. And you'll also notice that it's a forgiving love. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. This does not mean that we sweep sins under the rug. This does not mean that we keep the skeletons in the closet. This means we're honest and open about our sins. We confront one another with our sins. We hope for repentance and faith. But we don't sweep it under the rug. That's not what this verse is talking about. We don't condone sin. But it does mean that as a family, we cover up. We cover up. Do you remember that account in Genesis chapter 9? Noah gets drunk on wine. And he takes all of his clothes off. And he's just laying there drunk, naked. And one of his sons comes along and mocks his father. Said, look, we're dead, dead. Not the other two sons. The other two sons grab a blanket and they back in to not see their dad's humiliation and they cover him. That's what we do as Christians. We're not trying to humiliate one another when we sin, when we fall. We're doing everything we can to protect their honor and their dignity. Do you remember the account with Joseph and Mary? When he found out that she was with child, what does the scripture say? Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. When you love somebody, you do everything you can to cover their sins. Wives, how many times have you covered your husband's sins? Sometimes we can be mean. And our wives forgive us. And wives, how many times has your husband covered your flaws? And how many times as parents do we cover our children's sins? This love is a forgiving love. It's a practical love. 
Verse 9, showing hospitality to one another without grumbling. We're supposed to open our homes to one another, share our homes together. How are we going to earnestly love one another if we don't know each other? How are we going to get to know one another? By opening our homes and getting to know one another. Hospitality has to be a part of this love, a willingness to have people over into your homes and get to know them. Wouldn't you love it here at Calvary? If we had no program, we didn't program this, we don't have any committee, but what if God's spirit would move in your heart and my heart and said, you know what, in 2022, we're going to go after this. We want to be a group of Christians, a community of believers who earnestly love one another. And we're going to go hard after this. And wouldn't it be wonderful if there's no program, but just you and me obeying the Spirit of God, that on any given Sunday, a visitor would come through these doors and they'd get at least three invitations for lunch. Hey, we were invited to Scott and Paul's for fried rice and egg rolls. And Connie and Bill have steak and potatoes. And Jennifer and Jimbo's got barbecue chicken. Honey, what do you feel like? Barbecue chicken? Let's go. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have three invitations for lunch for every visitor that came through here? It's a love that shows hospitality. And it's a love that serves. As each of you have received a gift, use it to serve one another. How can you serve your brothers and sisters in Christ? I was in my 20s, single, became a member of Calvary Baptist Church, and Joyce Wills put me on the list for the nursery. They had a policy at Calvary at that time. Every member of Calvary will take their turn in the nursery. And I was so mad. What? I'm a single man. What am I doing? Going to the nursery. I, I come to Calvary to hear Tim preach. I want to be fed. I want food for my soul. And Joyce puts me in the nursery. What's she doing? She's teaching me there's more to discipleship than just sitting under good preaching and soaking it all in. You need to learn how to serve one another. What if people were signing up to be in the nursery, serving their brothers and sisters in Christ, knowing that mom and dad maybe need a break where they could just drop the kids off in a safe environment and worship God, and you're willing to serve them? That's the kind of love he's talking about here. And it's a love that glorifies God. Bottom line. What if we made this our goal in 2022? Let's be a congregation that earnestly, fervently loves one another. Why? Because we realize the truth and reality. We've been born of the Spirit of God and we're part of the family of God. Let's go, Lord, in prayer at this time. Father, we thank you for the miracle and the gift of regeneration, that we have been born again, and we have a new heart and a new nature, and you've placed us in a new family with brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, we thank you for this great reality, and may you work this out in each and every one of our lives. May we go hard after this here at Calvary. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.